Bears Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to the month of October and another edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Yeah, October is usually the month where we're kicking off an NHL season. Preseason would have winded its way down by October 2nd. And anywhere between October 2nd and October 6th is generally when we begin a new regular season campaign. A full 82 games leading us all the way to mid-June and uh, the handing out of the cup. But the cup was just handed out a couple of days ago. And here we are entering day number one of Scouts Week here on Flyers Daily. More on that in a moment. But uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs have wrapped up. And um, just major kudos to the National Hockey League, to Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, um, the NHL, the NHLPA, headed up by Don Don Fear and the players, the Return to Play Committee. And I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, isn't it awesome that the Cup got handed out? And I... And yeah, that is awesome, and congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. You earned it, by the way. Um, But when I look at the entire return to play, and as impressive as it was, and there's so many impressive things, like 33,394, that was the total number of COVID-19 tests administered to the 52-member club traveling staff, including players during Phase 4 from July 26th through September 28th. Uh, of the NHL return to play, and zero positive results. That's a tremendous element of this entire thing. The fact that there were 1,452, the total number of league and club personnel who stayed in one of the two or even both of the bubble secure zones, 1,042 total hours of Stanley Cup playoff broadcast with coverage from NBC, Sportsnet, and Tevia Sports. 800-plus Zoom availabilities for media availabilities conducted since players arrived in the secure zone, including pregame, postgame, off-day, and NHL award winners. 558 was the number of players across the 24 teams who sacrificed and went and played in at least one game of the 2020 Stanley Cup qualifiers and 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs, including 121 who made their postseason debut in this rather unique circumstances. And two of those to debut did so in a Stanley Cup final. Amazing stuff. I mean, you're looking at unbelievable things that were accomplished amidst a global pandemic. How about 413 minutes and 42 seconds? That was the total time in minutes and seconds of overtime in these playoffs. Insane. 363. That's the number of days between when the 2019-20 season started and the Stanley Cup was awarded. Incredible amounts of numbers. And while they're all great and they should all be celebrated, still the most important element for me of these entire return to play is the fact that there's labor peace until 2026. To me, that is still the biggest element. Now, in Tampa, that's not the biggest element to the Tampa Bay Lightning fans. It's not the biggest element uh, to the Tampa Bay Lightning players, not at this time. But labor certainty has been something that's been very fleeting in the NHL. And again, while all those numbers are great, and the return to play was more than any of us could have imagined, it was quality hockey. It was a ton of it. It was awesome. The fact that there's labor peace going forward 
is, to me, still the biggest element of this entire equation. Now, why is that? Well, we're in a global pandemic. The salary cap is flat, and it will probably be flat for anywhere between one to five years. Somewhere probably at least three years, I would think. So with labor certainty, a new TV deal coming up, a new team coming into the league after this next season in Seattle with the Kraken, and to have labor certainty and have that extended in these circumstances, to me, is still the biggest element. So that makes me happy. And all of this hockey made me happy as well. Tremendous final uh, between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars. Dallas is a team I bet up against them in every round. I didn't think they would win a single round in the playoffs. I think I even picked against them in the play-in round. They were a team that was 26 in the regular season in scoring. I didn't see how they could get past teams, but they found ways to win games. And they made it extremely exciting. Um, they're a team that I think in, was in the, the the Edmonton bubble. They never changed bubbles, obviously, because that's where they were originally put. I think they were in that hotel for 62 nights. Imagine being in the same hotel for 62 nights. Room service is great for about two days. After that, no thanks. Now, guys that travel in the NHL, we know players travel. We know coaches. We know general managers travel with the teams. But there are guys that get far less acclaim that travel a ton, and that is NHL scouts. You have your pro scouts that scout over other NHL teams, and you have your amateur scouts that scout different geographical regions or they scout different leagues. And this is day number one of Scouts Week. Now, this is very rare. We often hear what scouts think, but we never hear it from them. We always hear, well, the scouts love this guy or the scouts love that guy as we're leading up to a draft or there's a trade that happens midseason in the NHL. Well, he hasn't really lived up to you know, where he was. The scouts loved him when he was in his draft class. But you very ever rarely get to hear from the actual scouts. So this is a rare, rare situation. Uh, coming up in the next three episodes, including this one, today we're going to talk with Joachim Grumberg. Uh, he is the Flyers amateur scout and covers Europe. And he is based out of Sweden. We'll talk to him momentarily. Also, we'll talk to Nick Pryor, who is based out of Minneapolis, handles the USHL, the collegiate ranks, and uh, some other uh, areas in, in the, the Midwest of the country. And we'll also talk with Mark Gregg, who is a former player in this league, was the number one draft kick of the Hartford Whalers. And he also happens to have a son that's projected to be a first-round pick and picking around where the Flyers are picking. So we're going to hear from all three uh, of those scouts in the next three episodes. And also, after we hear from Joachim Grumberg, we're going to hear from Chris Stewart, who has decided to retire from the NHL and has now accepted a role with the Flyers as a player development coach. So we'll hear from Chris Stewart coming up momentarily as well. But let's get to Scouts Week and kick this off. Here's my conversation with Flyers amateur scout out of Europe, Joachim Grumberg. Happy to have join us as Scouts Week kicks off. And we go across the pond and we go big and we bring in the Flyers European scout. He's been with the team since 2013-14, Joachim? Yeah, that's right. Okay. He's been with the team six years. Joachim Grumberg joins us from Sweden. How you doing, man? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm going through hockey withdrawal already. They haven't even handed out the cup yet, but I'm going through these withdrawal things. And the draft has been kind of moved around in a big way. And as a guy that's been in the scouting game for a while uh, at the NHL level as a European scout, do you get like anxiety leading up to a draft? Because of, you put so much work in this element of building a roster 
and now it's been delayed when it's usually in June and then, and it's going to happen October 6th and 7th, but how's it been for you kind of dealing with that? Well, no, it's been a long wait for sure. And it's going to be nice to, uh, to, to get it over with and try to, you know, uh, focus on next year's draft. Um, so yeah, it's look, I'm looking forward to it for, for sure. Uh, it was, um, kind of, it was a time during the spring there when, uh, you kind of thought it was still going to be in June, uh, kind of league was, was uh, pushing it for, for it to be in June. And then, uh, uh, but obviously it was moved up until October now. And so it's been a long, it's been a long wait for sure. Have you had guys that have uh, kind of changed on your uh, on your draft board or your rating in that time from June when it could have been, should have been, uh, until now? Um, I think I lost a little bit what you, your question there. Okay. Um, has there been any guys that you've kind of had rated and, you know, either are they either higher or lower now than maybe you would have had them had the draft been in June and now it's going to be next week? Well, uh, the kind of the, the interesting thing with this uh, situation right now is that, you know, the actually a lot of the, most of the European players are actually playing now and they've been playing for a month or, or, or two months. So uh, we've actually over here, we've actually been able to watch these guys uh, play hockey, um, which normally you don't do because then you get drafted in June and then all the decisions are made and then you, uh, but this year is, is different, so uh, there's there's going to be uh, some some minor adjustments uh, for sure. Um, I mean, some guys it's pretty obvious that they improved, and some guys uh, uh, maybe hasn't improved as much as you thought. So so, uh, but you got to be careful too because it's a really short, uh, small sample size, and not overreact to anything you see this early in the year. But uh, for sure, you can kind of the, the, the information that you get from being able to watch these guys uh, play again here. It's, it's something that you, you have to use, I think. And, and uh, but just, again, just try to be careful too. So it's crazy too. Cause when guys are draft eligible that one summer can change a ton for these guys and putting muscle on getting bigger, hitting a growth spurt, whatever it might be uh, real quick, before we kind of get into some particulars about this draft, what, what led you to the scouting, uh, career because uh, people are fascinated by it because it's, it's almost shrouded in mystery for a lot of people. They always hear about scouts, scouts like this guy. I don't like this guy, whatever. Um, but what led you into being a scout? Well, I'm kind of always, uh, I was like, I played hockey growing up and uh, played at the, at the Alsvenskan level in, in, in Sweden for, uh, for a few years. And um, then when I start, um, uh, I went to school and then when I graduated, I started working. So that's kind of when I, I stopped playing and, and uh, um, always have a huge interest for hockey. And, and uh, so as I got a, a question from, from one of my old coaches that, that was working for a, like in a junior program for a Swedish team. And he asked me if I could help them with, you know, scouting and, and going to some games and, and looking at, at young players that they were, you know, uh, looking at recruiting for the junior program. And I said, well, yeah, sure. I can do that. That sounds fun. And, and then watch uh, hockey, <laughs> watch hockey. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that's kind of the way it started. And then um, uh, that role kind of grew and, and, and got a little bit bigger. It was still something that I did just in combination with my regular work. And then, um, yeah, I, uh, Flyers was looking for somebody, hire somebody in Sweden and, and, I got, you know, strong recommendations from, from the people I was working for. Uh, 
probably didn't hurt that I was Peter Forsberg and, and Marcus Nassen too, that was running the team that I was working for. So, <laughs> I so uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, that helped me for sure. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so that's the way I ended up with the Flyers. So. Oh, that's a great story. Um, let, let me ask you this, because you've been scouting for the team now, like I said, since 2013-14. It's been six, seven years. Uh, you got a couple guys on the team. A couple of those guys just got extended to contracts. So you look at a guy like Robert Haig, uh, a Swedish kid. Um, obviously, you cover more than just Sweden, but uh, a Swedish kid to get that, that contract that he got. And you look at a, a great find in Oscar Lindblom in the fifth round. And let's first talk about Robert Haig. Um, you know, kind of scouting him. What did you see out of him and, and where his game went? Well, I think like uh, as a junior player, you probably thought he'd had more more of a two-way guy, like more of offense that he's been able to show at the mm-hmm. NHL level. Uh, so that's kind of like he was he was um, he had a he had a he had more of an offensive game, I think, as a junior player he had. And then I think when you know while he 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 made a step over to North America and the professional game over there, he kind of had to change his game a little bit too to be able to make it, which, I mean, it's a lot credit to him um, to be able to do that. And a lot of guys, they don't want to do that. And then they end up going back to Europe and, and playing the game, same game as he did before coming over. So, but he, no, he changed his game and, and uh, you know, he's more of a defensive uh, defenseman right now. Uh, and um, yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, to answer your Always. question, I thought he had more offense as, as a junior player. Yeah, some guys, some guys can score a junior. You get to the NHL level, and it's just a whole different ball game. We've seen guys in junior put up huge offensive numbers, whether they're defensemen or forwards, and they just have struggles scoring at the NHL level. But he's a big – was he a big hitter back then too? He's a big physical guy now. Yeah, well, like he had that part in his game, but um, I don't think it was as, as uh, you know, obvious as it is right now. Um, I think – I know one knock on him, his draft year, was he, he had a little bit of that, like uh, – Call like a casualness in his game, a little could get a little bit passive, uh, a little like low energy at times defensively. Where when you watch him now, it's totally different in that regard. Um, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, no, I think he's a in a lot of ways he's a different player now than when he was when he was drafted, and I think that's kind of him to know his willingness to do whatever it takes to make it uh and kind of changing his game and adapting his game just to like you said just to to, to be able to play at that level so yeah uh, find that yeah. nhl role um exactly let, exactly let me ask you about oscar um boy what a story right i mean unbelievable story with what he's gone through but before we even kind of get to that uh what did you see out of him because in his first camp i remember at times it looked like he was carrying a refrigerator up the ice. You know, he just wasn't a guy that moved up and down uh, quite yeah. like NHL players. And then I see him two years later in camp and I'm going, what the heck, man, this guy can now get up and down the ice. And he's always had a willingness and an IQ to go to the right spots. You never had to tell him to go to the right places. And then I was really impressed with his hands and his ability to distribute as well. What did you see out of him? Well, no, I think like, the, the whole package was there. It was all about the, the skating. Uh, mm-hmm. And if that could get to that level that it was needed to be. Uh, to so I wasn't off in that, in that analogy, was I? No, 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 for <laughs> sure. For sure. No. Uh, but just a, a really, really smart, smart player. Uh, like you said, he rarely makes uh, the wrong play. He's always in the right spots. Uh, he has a nice, you know, touch and, and feel offensively around the net. Uh, he can score. He can make plays. Great work ethic, um, just uh, like a highly, 
high-end uh, character kid, which kind of made you feel confident too that he would, you know, put in put in the work to improve his skating. So that was never really. Uh, uh, you kind of knew he was going to be a really, really good player. You just hoped that the skating would be good enough. Mm-hmm. But when when you knew the got to know the kid, then you got you know uh, his character, and then you was pretty. Uh, you felt good about at least knowing that he would do whatever it takes. And obviously he did that and, and it took him to, to become a, a good NHL player. And hopefully he's always, you know, going to continue to improve too. What's that like for you as, as the European scout, um, to, you know, to convince everybody back here in North America as the draft's coming that, I mean, I've been watching this guy a lot. I'm telling you, he can be a good NHL player. Let's take him in the fifth round. And then to see him kind of flourish the way he did. I mean, this year he was the leading scorer before he went out with the, the Ewing sarcoma diagnosis. I mean, not that a scout's a tough business because there's going to be misses, but there's a sense of validation when you grab a guy like that and you see what he's become. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Uh, For sure. I mean, that's, that's, uh, it it is. And and that gives you a lot of, you know, energy and motivation to, 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 uh, to grind it out because that's, that's what it is a lot of times too. But, and, and, but I also have to say, it's not just, you know, one, one scout or or one guy making the decision Uh, that's, He's a player that, that you know, uh, as a group, we liked and as a group, we, we've seen and... and uh, Come on, man. Take all the credit. Uh, no, no, no. no it's <laughs> a, I would never do that. No, it's a, it's a team effort and everything. But, but no, for sure, it's when you just... I mean, every... Look at all the young guys that we have on our team that we've, as a group, been, been part of drafting. It's, it's really nice to see them, uh, you know, come together and develop and grow up and, and, and everything. So it's... Uh, uh, yeah, no, I actually have a kind of a story there with Oscar. I know, uh, uh, obviously, I, I liked him. I talked about him during the year. And, and uh, I know uh, it was uh, Chris Pryor and Dennis Patterson was, was going to come over and, and we're going to go and see him play. It was at the, uh, some, sometimes during the end, end of the year, I think it was. And, and uh, I kind of knew that, that, you know, if he was going to play well, um, good chance that we try to draft him and if he doesn't play well it's probably going to be harder to get him in a good spot on our list so so uh but we went to the game and he he was great I think he had a couple of goals and and you know played played the way he's he's played for me during the year and and uh so I know um in the car back uh from the game uh both both Chris and Dennis kind of said that yeah this this guy's going to good be an NHL player if, if the skating improves. Um, and, and, um, so yeah, that was, was good. That's great validation. What was it like seeing from your point of view, him go through what he went through the way he handled his diagnosis with such class and dignity and the fight that he put on, uh, going through all the treatments, eventually ringing the bell to signify the end and then working his butt off again, back home in Sweden, and then eventually coming over quarantining and joining the team and actually playing in two NHL games this year. What's that like for you to see? Well, it's it's kind of unreal when you look at it that way. Um, just like just just the fact that that um, it all happened within, uh, you know, he, he gets that that was it December and then yeah. you know he plays in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the, the summer Crazy. summer after. It's kind of yeah unreal. Like it's hard to really really understand. But I was uh, yeah I was. Kind of shows you a little bit of the what I was saying there about the character and the kid and the, the determination and the will and, and everything too. So I don't think you do that. I don't think you can accomplish that without having 
some something special. Yeah, no doubt. Um, let me ask you about this, uh, Yoko, because uh, this draft's going to be very unique and you didn't get eyes on guys as much as you would like, uh, obviously, when the pandemic hit. But how, how deep is the crop coming right now for prospects out of Sweden and, and Europe right now for 2020 and the 2021 drafts? What's it looking like? Uh, I think it's it's it looks good. Uh, obviously, the, the 2021 draft, it's, all, it's so early. Uh, it's, it's, uh, but I think the group of players... Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a good group, I think. And obviously, you haven't been able to see all the teams yet, or, or see all the players yet. And there's always there's always players that that you know uh, they get on the radar a little bit later. They're kind of late bloomers or whatever. And, and uh, so there's going to be more guys added to to the list of, of, of you know priority guys. Um, but for the draft next week, I think it's a good year. Uh, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good uh, players in, in, in Europe. Uh, and there's going to be quite a few of them. There's going to go, go uh, real high in the draft too. So. so well, let me ask you about this, you know, rinks, you know, you weren't available to go, you know, to watch games all over, but, but in Sweden, the rinks were available. We heard about guys during the pause, able to skate. Uh, I talked to Robert Hague and at that time, I know he was skating as well with a really small group of guys. Uh, were there draft prospects who probably benefited by getting on the ice when other guys couldn't get on the ice or out of gym time uh, that may not have been, you know, been able to kind of catch some eyes because, or, you know, really kind of develop even further because they did have ice available in Sweden. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think so. I think it's been an advantage for the, for just looking at the players in Sweden or prospects in Sweden, for sure. They've been able to basically been able to, to skate and train as they would normally uh, this summer, and and uh, and obviously they're already you know they started camp in August and they've been you know practicing and, and playing games since then too. So they're kind of up and running, and and uh, the only difference is they're playing in front of empty empty uh, stands. So um, so that's the that's the difference from a normal year for them. So um, and if you compare that to somebody that might not been able to skate uh, that much and he's not able to join his team yet or, or you know, uh, even, you know, play games or anything like that. So, of course, I think it's been uh, an advantage uh, in that regard, yes. Let me ask you about a few guys and kind of get an update on where they are in their development. Let, let's start with uh, Samuel Urson. Uh, he had that injury, kind of a freak accident, but, uh, you know, where's he at in his development right now as you see it? Well, I, I think it's going good. Uh, hopefully, this year will be the year where he really established himself as a number one uh, goalie in the you know Swedish Hockey League. And hopefully, we don't know with, you know international tournaments and, and stuff like that whether that's going to even be possible this year or not. But otherwise, I mean, a realistic next step for him would be to get an international experience too with the Swedish Swedish national team. But I also think that just just being that number one guy for Brinus and and uh, you know find consistency and and uh, yeah really establish himself as a top goalie, which I have no doubt in my mind that he's he's he's, he's got all the potential to be this year. So, as, as you can see by my background, I have a little bit of a goaltender um, yeah uh, obsession. Um, what's the goaltending in in Sweden like right now? What's the situation there? With the position, we see Russia pumping out so many guys now when traditionally that was not a goaltender hockey hotbed, if you will. Um, but Sweden has had, uh, you know, churned a lot of guys to the NHL and some of the elite goaltenders, Lundqvist, obviously, and others. Uh, where's the goaltending in, in Sweden right now as, uh, you know, overall? 
Well, I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a few um, good ones that are, that I think have a bright future. Uh, you know, Merson is included in, in, in those ones. Uh, no, I think that, I mean, almost look at the world junior team. You usually have the guy starting for the Swedish team. It's usually a really good prospect year after year, which, which uh, tells you something. Um, so, but I, I think it's, I think it's it's room to get better uh, to improve. I think, but uh, overall, I think it's it's uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, and you know, a guy like Hank will uh, get a lot of kids to play net as well. And that could be that could churn its way yeah. through eventually. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, what about Adam Ginning? Where's he at right now? Well, he uh, switched teams uh, from from Linship, which is his hometown team, and and. So he switched teams to Ferrisla this year, which I think will be a good thing for him just to get out of, you know, get away from his, um, you know, he wasn't, he was living by himself, but uh, just getting out of your hometown and, and playing for another team that, that uh, not play for the same team as you play for your whole life. Just get a different, you know, experience on the ice and, and off the ice that way. Uh, he's playing on a, it's a, it's a good team. It's a deep team and, and it's going to be a, competitive situation for him to get ice time and, and get a good role. But um, that's, uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be uh, good for his development to make that, take that step. Last guy, Marcus Westfall. How, how's his development going? Well, I actually get, got a, a pretty positive report from his coach uh, a couple of days ago saying he's been one of their better players here in preseason. So uh, hopefully he's, he's, he's having a, a good year there and hopefully he's been a, Hopefully he will be able to, uh, I think, produce a little bit more offensively and assert himself a little bit more offensively too. Uh, right now he's uh, he's that kind of a smart, responsible, uh, defensive player. And uh, for for him to take his next step in his development, he needs to be more of a threat defensively and and challenge himself more offensively to to score. And then something that he he actually did at the junior level. Uh, and then he, I think he made a. Um, uh, it, it went pretty quick for him from from juniors uh, up to the pro level, and a lot of times you can see uh, you look back and 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 I think that's been the case for him that things probably happened a little bit too quick for him, and then you know you lose your confidence a little bit at the pro level, and and then all of a sudden you kind of lose that that uh, creative side or or, or uh, offensive side of your game and. So I think he's been able, he's had to regroup here for a couple of years, and hopefully he can can find a little bit of that uh, this year. Though. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on all those guys. Uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this because, like I said, everybody's so fascinated by what you guys you guys are almost like 007 agents, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I appreciate you doing this, Yoakum. Um, this was great information. I know everybody's going to really enjoy listening to this here on Flyers Daily. Um, count down those days of the draft, man. It's coming. It's actually going to happen, I promise. That's great. Yeah, thanks. I <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. thanks for having me. Being a scout is one of those, it's got to be such a difficult job because you're asked to kind of stake your reputation on something you don't have a lot of control of, which is how a player is going to work and how they're going to develop and all of those things. Um, but the good ones, they do it and they do it well. And Yoakum is one of those guys that has done it and has done it very well. Uh, you look at some of those picks that have come out of Europe for the Flyers, and we talked about it. You talk about a guy like Oscar Lindblom. You talk about a guy 
like Robert Haig. You talk about a guy like Linus Sandin, uh, who uh, the Flyers signed in this uh, during the pandemic and during the pause. So uh, Yoakum's done a great job, and we thank him for joining us. What a great guy as well. So really enjoyed that conversation. And coming up on Monday's episode, uh, we'll hear from Nick Pryor. And coming up on the following Wednesday episode, as we uh, kind of straddle the draft, if you will, we'll hear from Mark Gregg as well. But let's get to Chris Stewart. He has finally hung up his skates. Well, he's hung up the shoulder pads at least. He is going to be moving into a role with the Philadelphia Flyers as a player development coach. So here is my conversation with former NHL player. That seems weird to say, Chris Stewart. Happy to have join us here on this episode of Flyers Daily. Former Flyer player and current Flyer employee, Chris Stewart. Chris, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Congratulations are in order. Uh, I, I know it's a hard decision when to stop playing. I imagine that's maybe the hardest decision you've ever had to make. Um, what was it like going through that process for you? No, for sure. I think, uh, you know, I think uh, making my comeback to the NHL last year and then kind of finishing the year in Lehigh and, you know, having the whole pandemic hit and just a lot of time here to, to sit back and reflect. And, you know, I just felt it was, it was time to, to, you know, you know, close up the hockey bag and hand up the stakes and, you know, retire from competition. You know, hockey has been a, a big part of my life for, for, you know, for probably since I've been six years old. So, you know, to say life after hockey, I don't, I don't think that's possible for me. So, you know, I'm glad to, uh, you know, take up a job with the Flyers right away and kind of get uh, acclimated with my new role. Um, yeah, maybe you, you never hung up the skates because you're going to be in a player development role. Maybe the shoulder pads is what you've hung up, uh, <laughs> if anything. But, uh, Chris, when you look back at it, like I, I've always, you know, in your interviews and stuff, you're such a cerebral guy. Um, what has hockey meant to you? You know, you mentioned you played it starting at six years old and, you know, your first round draft pick taken 18th overall by Colorado. And all these years later, you've had a pro career. You're not even going to step into a post playing career and still in the game. If you're still in the game, it just tells me that there's something about it that's special for you. So, you know, what does the game mean to you? Yeah, exactly. You know, hockey, uh, hockey's been my whole life, you know, since, uh, since I've been six years old and following upon my brother and his footsteps and, everything that he's uh, set out. And, uh, yeah, you know, being drafted in the first round and, you know, traveling between, uh, you know, 13 years professionally and seven NHL teams. And, you know, my, you know, my biggest joy of, you know, my kids uh, wanted to play hockey and following in their dad's footsteps. It's, it's been great. And, uh, you know, I want to, I want to use my life experiences and everything that I've gone through and everything that I've learned to help transcend the youth here and reach their goal, which is ultimately playing in the NHL for a long time. You know, staying in the Philadelphia area, um, did you did you look at the youth programs in the area and go, okay, my boy, my boys can develop here? That's part of it. No, exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, it's a uh, it's a great city to raise a family in, and uh, you know, as I was renting Wayne Simmons' house last year in Haddonfield, and you know, we really enjoyed ourselves. Uh, when when you look at the ascension post playing career, now it happened a decade ago for Ian Laperriere, and he stepped out of a playing career. He was here one year as well. And then he steps into a role that you're stepping into. Uh, when you see what he's kind of gone through and how he's ascended, that's got to be pretty aspirational for you as well. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Lappy assisted on my first NHL goal. So it's kind, no. of, kind, of, fun, kind of funny how it, uh, how it comes full circle. And, uh, no, to see, uh, to see what he's done throughout his career and, you know, the way he transitioned after hockey and stepping right into a player development role and, 
now he's uh, you know he's a valuable valuable piece on uh, on the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Philadelphia Flyers bench, and you know uh, you know he's a good role model for the youth, and you know he's definitely a guy that I could learn a lot from. Dude, how sick is that that he he assisted on your first one in the NHL? Did you did you go bar down on that goal, or did it hit off your rump? No, I was uh, I was coming out of the penalty box and had a breakaway. So. Oh wow, that's well, that's a good one, man. Like a lot of guys, like you know, they flub a shot or it just hits off their shin pad, it goes in. But you know, they're telling their kids years later a totally different story, right? You're right. Well, we got YouTube now, so you you can't hide. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you're not as old as me, man. My day, they didn't have any video of anything, and that's probably a good thing. Um, your role, your role in, in player development, uh, as it's been explained to you, kind of what's your, what's your, uh, protocol, what are you going to be handling? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we got a little bit of time here. It's going to kind of dial in exactly what it's going to look like, but, uh, you know, I assume uh, I'll be going to Lehigh and working with the prospects and I know for sure I'm going to be making my rounds and then seeing some of the guys in college that are, that are going to be coming out soon. And, you know, being, uh, being a guy who, you know, who's got a good feel for the game, who just retired and, you know, I kind of want to use that voice and that experience to, you know, kind of give these guys what to expect coming in. Uh, how big is it that you've played the game? You know, having a, a player development guy that, that's been out of the league for 15 years is tougher on some of these younger players that you're trying to develop. You've been in the league recently. That's got to be an asset for you in talking to these guys and explaining to them what it's going to be like when they get to that level. No, for sure. I think a big part of it is, you know, I think I've earned I've earned the respect of you know my peers, and I've earned the right to to share my opinion with these guys and you know these 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 life experiences. And you know, when I came into the league as a first round pick, I, I was a high end draft pick and a high end guy who was relied upon to to contribute my nightly basis. And from there to a guy uh, over his career turned into a role player and uh, kind of maximized his role to, to hang around a little extra year in the league. And you know, going on waivers and being traded and playing in Europe, you know, there's, there's kind of no real situation that I haven't really experienced through this game. So, you know, I want to use that, uh, you know, to help guys, you know, be better. Um, you, you know, you came through the OHL, you played for Kingston, uh, then you got into the AHL. And like you, met, you mentioned, you know, you played in Europe, you played all over. What is it about making that jump? Or what, let me ask you, which jump is the toughest as a player? You know, is it is it going from the OHL to playing with grown men in the AHL, or is it the AHL to the NHL? Uh, I mean, I think uh, the OHL. I mean, OHL to pro is is a big jump. You know, you go from playing against. I mean, I was obviously a bigger kid, but you know, you're going to play against kids to men, and you know, 30, 30 old men with beards and guys who have been to the grind and you know, the, the travel and, and all those kind of things and living on your own for the first time. I think that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of things that kind of shock you, but I think the HL to NHL is kind of a little bit easier because you're, you're playing with the best of the best. So, you know, if you're able to get to, to the right spots and the right places on the ice, you know, chances are, you know, the guys, guys were, were allowed on to make the right place. So if you have the good line mates, you know, you, you could definitely succeed. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I talked to so many guys that, you know, goalies in the NHL and they say, so in some ways playing in the NHL, maybe it's not easier, maybe that's the wrong word, but more predictable in the sense that yeah, I always know my coverage is going to be there, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. You know, in the HL, you, there's, more, there's more breakdowns and, you know, it's a bit of a learning curve as opposed to the NHL. The guys are on the passes on the stick every time or the guy made the right play every time. So it was a little bit more predictable. Uh, you're a fun guy to watch too because you're an energy guy. You created energy out there. You throw your body around as a bigger guy. Um, who, who'd you love playing against in your pro career that, you know, every time, you know, that guy was, uh, you know, on the other side, you were kind of going like, all right, this is going to be fun tonight. 
yeah, you know, uh, you know, going against, you know, going up to Colorado, I think our, uh, you know, our biggest rival games were Detroit, you know, especially coming up in the, in, in the late nineties and all their Stanley cup vendettas and then stuff like that. So those are the big rivalries. And then when I got to, uh, when I got to, when I got to St. Louis, you know, we played against Chicago tons and, uh, you know, I remember playing that's that's the year they won the cup and they had Buff and Ladd and Kane and Taze and, and all these guys. So, you know, but you know, for me I uh I think I had a little rivalry playing in the Stanley Cup right now against uh Jimmy Alexiak, you know, the big rig. Yeah, you know, every 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 time every time we knew you're gonna play against him, there's chances are we were gonna run into each other. <laughs> yeah, that dude's freak show big, man. You know, <laughs> Buffalo well, was they too. They don't call you a big rig. They, they don't call you a big rig for no reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not getting that nickname as a five seven guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's not coming my way. Um, you know, what's it been like dealing with the pandemic for you? You know what? It's it's at first it was kind of tough, but you know, for me, I got my three kids and my wife, and you know, we bought a uh, we bought a little uh, lake house out in uh, northern Minnesota, so it's. Not to say it's a little safer up here, but the uh, the COVID numbers are a little lower. But you know, it's it's been great just to be at home with the kids and you know be with my family, you know, and, and just knowing that we're safe. I think that's uh, you know that's been the, the most important thing. You know, that's that's so. I love that you said that because I, I said that to my wife. I said we're going to look back on this. I, I have three kids too. I you know I have a thirteen year old, twelve year old, and a nine year old. I go in in ten years we're going to look back and go wasn't that great during the pandemic when we were all under the same roof now they don't even want to be around us <laughs> you know what I mean so right. <laughs> we'll look back at it a little a little differently I think maybe uh, when it's all said and done we all want it to be over though um, Chris uh, you know being in Philadelphia now this is where you're putting your roots down in this city and you know your kids are going to play hockey here and everything like that um, congratulations on the gig man I, I I'm really happy for you. Um, the last thing I got to ask you about is the Hockey Diversity Alliance. I know that um, you're a part of that, and you were, you know, a big uh, assistance in in the movement. Uh, how do you feel like uh, things have progressed to this point where we are? As we're getting ready to hand out the cup. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, you know the initial shock factor, the shock factor is it's kind of over with, and you know uh, it's it's time to put the put the feet to the ground here and then start creating some real change. You know, we we can't wait around and and wait for, uh, you know, people to come do the work for us. So, you know, we, we got some interesting things that we're working on right now, a, a couple pilot programs and, uh, you know, some modules that, that, that we're trying to create now and some, some, some really good stuff. So, you know, uh, we, we, you know, we're looking for, to, to make some, some big change here and, you know, the support from the hockey community and, you know, the players around the league has, has been great. So, you know, we look forward to uh, January the top year. Yeah, talking about it's the first step, and then the action plan is the important step, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, I wish you the best of luck with that, and uh, the best of luck with, you know, your post-playing career and uh, being a Flyers development coach. Thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll definitely talk again. All right, perfect. Thanks, John. Chris Stewart's one of those guys that whenever he walks in a room, you know he's in the room, much like I've talked said that same kind of terminology about Kevin Hayes. Um, Chris Stewart's another one of those guys that's like that huge personality, uh, tons of energy, awesome, awesome guy, and he'll have a tremendous effect on those young players. And he had to earn everything he got in the NHL, despite the fact that he was a first-round draft pick way back when with Colorado. I think he was taking 15th overall. Um, so congrats to uh, Chris Stewart on a great NHL career, and congrats on life after player and now in the player development role. It's where Ian LaPerriere started as well. And uh, how about the, the, the very unique circumstance that Ian LaPerriere actually assisted on Chris Stewart's first NHL goal.
pretty pretty interesting stuff there and as it comes full circle so thanks to chris Stewart for joining us thanks to Joachim grumberg for joining us and thank you for listening to this episode of flyers daily we'll talk to you on monday's episode as scouts week continues right here on flyers daily